The only constant in business is change. Welcome to Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, the show that explores business ups, downs, and possibilities. I'm Pat Lynch, and I'm a retired police supervisor, and now I teach and mentor real estate agents who are looking to stand out above the rest. My partner is Dr. Lauren Murfield. He's a former college professor who now works with business leaders, small and large, to do what they never thought possible. Together, we're Doc and the Cop, and we're here to help you think bigger, reach higher, and do what you never thought possible in order to deliver disruptive success for today's world. Let's go. I think we're live, and uh, welcome back to Trends, Bends, and Opportunities. I'm Pat Lynch. I'm the chairman of the Business Connections Committee, and I am here with, uh, I was trying to come up with something funny, but here's Lauren. Say hello, Dr. Murfield. That's an old one. Thanks, Pat. Glad to be here. Welcome back, everybody. We have got a great show for you today. Uh, Pat, would you like to hear about what, what we got coming up? Yeah, what do we got coming up, Doc? Well, we're on Thursday, so, so tomorrow's Friday. We're going to have a little fun. Uh, Pat and I have put together a top 10 list of the, of the advantages of going through this COVID. Um, we're going to be respectful for all the things that people have suffered with, but we're going to pull out the positive, the silver lining. Next week, you want to go up to next week, don't you, Pat? Yeah, what's going on next week? Uh, we have, we have got Dr. Lindsay Grove of the a PhD in public health talking on Monday. Akash Patel, who really knows how to engage civically, he's going to be on on Tuesday and talking about civic engagement in the new world, the new normal. Lorraine Quee, if you haven't heard that name, you're going to want to because she is a former FBI agent that has her own business teaching people mental toughness. And she's specifically talking about resilience. And then we go into Thursday with Chris White from the Center Club. I remember there, he's got his own mortgage company. He's talking about these mortgages in very tough times. And Pat, I'm gonna let you introduce what's going on on the 15th of next week, next month. So next Friday is quit whining start whining no it's not a typo everybody's been I, I i can't tell you the number of people who've said hey you misspelled it so they're whining they're whining about your spelling they're whining about the whining and so oh. we're going to have karen cook aka the cork queen who doggone it if she didn't go out and open up a business in the midst of a worldwide pandemic well to call the to call another phrase, holy crap, how'd she do that? No kidding. Talk about a um, a true trooper here. So, uh, you know, she could have said, you know what? Coronavirus is here. We'll just shut things down, delay the start of our business. And ahead. instead, she said, to heck with that. We're going to go head on into this thing, and we're going to come out the other side winners. And uh, this is going to be a really great uh, time. And uh, what a great, exciting time to be around somebody. Who, I, I love uh, new businesses and uh, the excitement that goes with that. That's going to be a fun time. Um, and you like wine. Yeah, well, <laughs> but the good part, I mean, we have a great, phenomenal speaker. If it wasn't for that stinking Me Too movement, I would ask who she slept with to get on the show. Uh, you um, know, the same one that she got the part in the play last fall, I tell you. You know what? <laughs> 
some things you just got to do. <laughs> but uh, I will let you. Oh, wait a minute. She says, sir, we can't say that. We can't say that. <laughs> I will let you introduce your wife. Um, <laughs> my wife hates it because I all the time say I sleep with the boss. And people, yeah, you know, she's afraid people are looking at her funny. I'm like, well, you know, my wife owns the company, right? <laughs> so sometimes uh, you've got to connect the dots. Yes. So tell us, tell us, give us a little bit about your wife. She's an author, um, and uh, there's more. Are to you going to do this or mine? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you know, folks, we have a good slate of speakers, and oftentimes you tend to overlook the ones that are closest to you. But Lisa. She stretched four years of college into 16 because she was working full time and going to school at night. That's when we, we first met. Mm -hmm. And then we moved from Lincoln, Nebraska, when I got my PhD, moved out to Albany, New York. And you know, this says a lot about her because when we got out there, the school I was working at would only take 75 of her 120 credits. Ouch. So she started back over with even more determination and she, she got a job on campus. She was working full-time nurse and then she started to go to school full-time at night. So she was in class Monday, Wednesday and Thursday and every other Saturday. I was teaching on Tuesday nights. We did that for two years so she could get her bachelor's degree. And then when we moved, moved down to Philadelphia area, she immediately started an MBA program. So she was working full time and going to school, getting her MBA and, and working in HR, human resources. And then she more, no more and got done with that. She started getting these certifications. She's got, she's got the PHR within the human resources, but then she stepped up when she could to get the senior which is the SPHR. Then she stepped up to get the global, went over into the SHRM certification. Then that came out, she got that. But then she was president of HR Tampa, a group of about 700 members. And she was president there in that year. When I started writing in that, we decided to do a book together, which is the ROI of compassion. She has spoken at uh, local, state, and national conferences on compassion in the workplace. And last year she spoke in Vegas on employee trauma. What happened in Vegas didn't stay in Vegas. And there we released the second book on compassion. And you know, she packed out the audience and she just knocked it out of the park. She's passionate about what she does. And now that's a long introduction to say, Lisa, Welcome to our podcast, and we'll start by asking you, what do people need to know from all that background? What do they need to know about what's most important about opening up our businesses to our employees again? Well, what an okay, Lisa, <laughs> I heard about Vegas, and he didn't introduce Vegas properly. <laughs> oh, Vegas, baby! There you <laughs> go. All right. Okay, across the city now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Pat and Lauren. Um, what do we need to think about about when bringing people back to work? One word: compassion. 
And as we define compassion, it's coming alongside another to alleviate their pain. And one may not think returning to work has pain involved, but there is. I think there'd be a lot of pain in going back to work, wouldn't it, Pat? After uh, being at home for a month or so, or working from home for a month or so, yeah, makes you a little uh, worrisome. So Lisa, in all seriousness, what kind of pain are people in? Well, like you mentioned, people have been at home for two weeks, or two weeks, two months, excuse me. And with that comes, you know, loneliness. If you're an extrovert, you're not around people. You've been by yourself. If you're an introvert, maybe it hasn't been so bad. But now that you're looking to come back, there may be fear involved, um, being fear around of, others. Fear of what? Fear of what? Fear of catching COVID. Um, am I going to put myself at risk in this environment? Um, what am I going to do with my kids? My kids, like six years old, they have to go to online school. I'm a single parent. I, I can't leave them alone during the day, but I'm supposed to go back. What do I do? There's pain there. Uh, and just adjusting to being in a workplace again. Um, there's all kinds of different fears. Emotional baggage that people are bringing with them, psychological issues that they're bringing back into the workplace that supervisors, managers need to be mindful of. They need to notice their employees. And that's where compassionate communication comes in as well, which is gonna be very, very important in making employees comfortable in coming back on a phased in schedule, of course, but still they're, they, we have to be mindful of that and understand where they're coming from and take the time to understand them and help us to work with them so that they do feel comfortable, but not condemned, if you will, for feeling the way they do. Let's, let's, let's cut to a chase. It's a real delicate subject, which mm -hmm. is, you know, there's this big thing that before this, people would come to work sick because they felt they had to, or because, you know, it's that, that old adage in business of money matters. And, you know, if you're not, you're not a team player, if you're not sacrificing for the team, but now we're, we're not sure we want those people back. In fact, we don't want them back to work. No. So are, do you think there's any of that happening where they're feeling like they really have to come back to work when they, even though people say it's your choice? Right. Absolutely. And that comes with what type of a culture that you have built over the years and the places where I have worked and whenever we've gone through downturns in the economy or there's you know a hurricane that comes through in Florida I've always said to our management and our senior management how you handle this situation is going to influence down the road six months from now years ten months from now I mean ten years from now on how people are going to remember how you handled this and how they treated you and Maya Angelou has a wonderful quote that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And in those situations, there are companies that, there's a culture that's been created that you need to come to work regardless of what. We need your rear end in that seat. We don't care how you feel. And 
for them to call out sick, they're fearful for their jobs. Uh, they don't want to give it to people, but they don't feel that they have another choice. And as we look at bringing people back into the workplace and we're phasing in, there are recommendations for at-risk individuals or vulnerable for those people to identify themselves. But again, we have to create a culture and, an under, and a compassionate communication towards those people to say, hey, if we say this, we mean it. We don't want you to come in when you're sick. We don't want you to come in if you fall in that at-risk category. It's okay. But, and we have to make sure that if we say that, we mean it and that there's not gonna be retaliation down the road. And some of our managers are very good about that, but there's others that as far as an HR professional or senior level managers, we have to watch for those employees that maybe are pressuring those employees to come back when they're not ready to do so or should do so. If you're a Florida real estate agent and you are looking to stand out above the rest, check out Momentum Real Estate at winmomentum.com. That's W-I-N momentum.com. So what about the, the people who just kind of are going to game the system that comes with that? And we had them, uh, when I worked for the police department, uh, we call we called certain people earn a day burn a day. In other words, as soon as they had twelve hours of leave time, they were taking a day off, and they were either sick or they asked for the day off or whatever because they just there was they were never going to hold more than a day's worth of leave time on the books. So I, I have this fear that employees will come along and say, "Oh, you know, don't come into work if you don't feel like if you don't feel good," and and how much um, how much. How many of them are going to take advantage of that situation? Mm -hmm. How do you guard from that? Yeah. In any, any policy, any situation, you're going to have some who are going to try to, as you say, game the system. Yes. Um, coming back and returning to work from COVID, if people call in and say that they're sick. Now, sometimes you know that there's a history of those people. You know them. Um, can you dispute it at this point in time? And there's certain situ things right now that are happening that we can't require doctor's notes. Or, well, we can ask for them. The doctors are closed. It's overloaded. You're not going to get them. So at this point, we may have to say, okay, if you're sick, stay home. We don't want to chance it. Or if somebody says, I am at risk, am I going to counter them and say, oh, you're not. I know that you're not because technically, I'll use myself as an example. I'm at risk. I have a medical condition. People would look at me and not know it, but I do have a condition that prevents me from participating in phase one, unfortunately. I was going to say extreme intelligence is not a medical condition <laughs> for which you can stay home. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and employers have to take that on face value. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes you know who those people are. Sometimes you don't. And at this point, since we don't have a lot of ways to have people prove it, because of the way our medical system is overloaded, at this point, we have to take them as their word. But if they're doing this a lot <laughs> over, the, over the, the next several weeks, then I believe we can address that a little bit further. And of course, um, documenting some of these things as well. I would imagine you can also uh, 
and this is one of the things with working remotely, if you suspect somebody's really slacking off, you can just tune it up and uh, make sure you give them plenty of work and, and still make sure they're getting the work done so that it, they don't use it as uh, Pat's favorite phrase, snow day. Well, absolutely. Yes, and it's the, a situation, I work in a law firm, we have billable hours uh, for a lot of our positions and we can see that. But we also have to understand that during this time, there may be a turn down in work. Uh, people are not as busy as they would like to be right now. Um, that will pick up. But, you know, we have to keep those types of things in mind. Again, if you have people who like to abuse the system, this is not going to be the first time that they've probably done it through the COVID. They've probably tried to do that before. They may be the people that call out on Fridays or Mondays. Um, you know kind of the MO of those people and you can be, well, I shouldn't say this as an HR professional, but you can watch and you can kind of see making sure that yes, they're getting the work, making sure they get assignments and working with the supervisors to make sure that what they're giving them is getting done. Um, there are ways that you can handle that, but then once you're back in the office and we're up and running on a regular basis, then we can address those issues a little bit better. I think my colleague Jeff Wilcox last week talked a lot about this, that right now, I don't want to say we're cutting people some slack, but in a way we are. Um, but we're, we're keeping a watch and documenting and being mindful of those particular maybe individuals. So now let's balance the two. You, you just mm -hmm. come across with a bit of a hard stance on some of it. Right. Some people would say that's not compassion. Right. Isn't compassion just giving them everything they want? Isn't it no. feeling, you know, being a snowflake? So what no. is compassion? Compassion, again, is, you know, we come along like someone to help alleviate their pain, but there is a balance of compassion. We're not going to be doormats and let everyone do everything that they want or you know, deny every request. There is a balance that needs to be maintained. We have to keep in mind that our businesses are here to make money, bottom line. That's why we're in business. But we also want to engage our people by being compassionate. We want them to feel that they're working in a, in a great place, they wanna stay there, because we're not only, you know, right now bringing people back to work, but we're also kind of care and feeding for the people we have. We want to retain these individuals because we're just coming off of very low unemployment where people are hard to find. We don't want to lose the people we have right now. And like I said, if we're not treating them well now and using that balance of compassion, they could be leaving us six months from now. We don't want that because they don't feel that they were, they were treated fairly. Now, Compassion is also sometimes saying no. Um, that is sometimes the most compassionate thing to do. And, but when you say no, how you communicate it makes all the difference in the world. Explaining it to the individual, this is why we can't grant that accommodation because of X, Y, Z. They still may not be happy about it, but at least you've tried to explain it to them, understanding where they're coming from, where their pain is, and hopefully they understand where the pain of the company is as well and trying to come to a reasonable resolution. Sometimes you can do that, sometimes you can't. 
but just saying a flat out no doesn't really help anyone feel good about the situation. Hey doc, I may have figured out why they're all treating it like it's a snow day. They're <laughs> snowflakes. <laughs> so, Pat, uh, I want to I throw it over to you for a minute that, uh, you know, being a, a former cop for like 22 years, you probably had to do something that irritated somebody by <laughs> giving them a ticket or arresting or something like that. But I'll bet there was a time or two in there where you did it in a way that they didn't hate you for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's leading with the power of compassion mm -hmm. um, can be done at all levels. And that, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of times where um, you have to stick it to somebody, but that doesn't mean that uh, uh, you take great joy in doing that. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have that with any of your officers where you had to discipline them or something because you were a supervisor, but yet you did it in a way knowing that you wanted to keep them. Do you have any of those experiences? Oh yeah, a lot, a lot of times, um, you know, because the, the first thing you're trying to do is change the behavior. It's not a matter of criticizing or condemning them. It's a matter of pointing out the problem and helping, and again, we're, where the leading with compassion comes is you try to come alongside of them and figure out what, what's going to take to get them to where you need them to be. You know, if it's something they're doing, changing that behavior, or if it's something they're not doing that they should be doing, then changing that behavior as well. But it's coming along with them and say, okay, how can we do this together? Or how can I help you help yourself kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Lisa, I'm curious yeah. if you'd, if you'd tell the audience about the um, the bulk handling center that we use in the ROI of compassion and how that applies to this situation because they too brought they brought people back after a hurricane. Yes, and um, yes, this this was down in kind of one of the very tips of Louisiana um, bulk transfer company, and it was completely devastated. Uh, by the hurricane, hurricane Katrina, and they brought people back, but it was a, they did a lot of very interesting things. They actually had a ship brought in that employees could stay in to help them rebuild the facility, and they did shift work so that people in their off times could go and file claims because most of them lost all, most all of them lost their homes, but they they checked in with people, they made sure they knew where everyone was at. When they brought them back, they brought in laundry facilities, they had sh hot showers, they had meals on the ship for everyone. Um, they could not accommodate the families, but at least the employees, they If you're a business leader and you want to do what you never thought possible, Connect with Dr. Murfield at murfieldcoaching.com. That's murfieldcoaching.com. It was the right thing to do. And in doing that, they did get a return on investment for their compassion because at that time, places like Wendy's and Burger King and Walmart were offering $500,000 bonuses to get people to come work for them. 
and 500 dash thousand. If I, no, not 500 dash thousand, but 500, 500 dollars. No comma. No comma. No comma. Okay. Um, and the, they retained 85% of the people that were employed by them prior to Hurricane Katrina. Now, some of the people that they lost mostly were because they didn't come back to the area because many of them were relocated to areas like Florida, Texas, Midwest. Uh, they just decided not to come back because the devastation was so great. Uh, and that was the majority of their losses. Did they lose a few to the Wendy's? Yeah, they did. But to retain that many people in such a traumatic situation was commendable. And there were other things that they did as well just to, to alleviate the pain of their employees of what they were feeling at the time. Uh, and there was such a camaraderie among employees that many of them on their days off went to help a certain employee that, you know, clean out their home or, you know, and a lot of that took place. So they were helping each other in building that loyalty, not only within coworkers, but also the loyalty to the company as well. And that pays off because you don't have to recruit. So you're not paying to, you know, for ads or recruiting expenses. Um, you keep good employees on, on staff with you. That in itself is a huge money saver. You don't have to do training. You don't have that cost. So the retention, the care and feeding, engaging of their employees had a huge return on investment for them in just simple acts of kindness. So can, they, can uh, people listening now, coming back from COVID, mm -hmm. um, what lessons can they take from the bulk handling in Katrina 10 years ago? What can they do now? What can they do to really be compassionate? Give, can you give us like three things they can do that is gonna make the difference? Well, first of all, uh, communication is gonna be very important. Reach out to your employees. Have you checked in with them? Uh, if you haven't done it in the past, you can do it now. Call them, find out how they're doing, what's going on. Um, and through that, you can find out a lot about how the person is feeling. If you've got that relation, good relationship, maybe it's just saying, hey, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing. Maybe the person won't have much to say, but just say, hey, if you need anything, call me. It's just opening the door and being authentic about it too. Just not making it sound like a robot calling. No, because call because you really, really care about the person. Um, regular communication, whether you've got email or Zoom, pull people together uh, so they can see each other, talk to each other, um, but keeping them up to date about what's going on, being honest as you can, um, you know, telling people, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know the answer right th to that right now. Maybe people are concerned about, well, I have a job. Am I going to get laid off or furloughed? We don't, we can't maybe answer that and being honest about it, but it's being sincere in your communication. So this and, is kind of a wild card in that, but given yeah. that we can't share a lot of food, we can't share a lot of drinks or, mm -hmm. you know, food and things like that. You can't go up and give them hugs. You, you're probably going to wear a mask and all that kind of good stuff. Right. Going back to the office, is there, yeah. is there something they can do other than just communicate? Absolutely. I think, you know, 
making it a safe environment for them to come back to. So, you know, it, telling them about how you are cleaning the facility, what steps you're taking. And it's also important to, for the employees to see that. Um, or even sometimes when they walk in, I had someone that I talked to the other day that said, it made me feel really good because I walked in and I smelled disinfectant mm -hmm. because I knew, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, but she said, no, I know that you guys have been cleaning because I could smell it. That made me feel good. Uh, maybe the fumes made her a little high. I don't know. <laughs> it does look bad all the time, right? Well, that's the, that's the feeling I get when I come home, uh, when I bring back a, a batch of Randy's ribs. Uh, it, my whole car smells like a uh, rib air freshener, which mm -hmm. if there's anybody out there from the little tree air freshener place, what about rib flavor? I mean, yeah, there you go. There you go. That works. But, you know, it's, they knew that we're, we said we were going to clean and we're doing it. Uh, we gave everyone a mask when they came back if they didn't have one, uh, encouraging people to clean their desks and just giving them some steps, you know, and we've laid out plans as far as, you know, making sure there's not too many people in a break room at a time, you know, all of the things that a lot of places are doing, but it's, you know, so that they see that, so they feel safe coming in. Phasing people back in, not everybody obviously at once. We've limited the capacity of our offices, but also communicated to people that if they are uncomfortable or if they have certain situations, it's okay. You don't have to come back. Um, Lisa, how do, you, how do you decide who comes back and who doesn't? Is it rock, paper, scissors or <laughs> a lot Meeny, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> I think she lost her audio. There we go. I'm there back. You go. Um, I think, well, it, it takes a plan, obviously. Uh, what we did in our office, we have practice group leaders, so they were consulted as far as the people in their groups, um, making sure that we have cubicles so that no two people were sitting next to each other on any particular day, no sharing of offices. We had somebody say, hey, I can go in this other office. We're like, nope, you can't. You have to, if you're coming in, you have to be at your desk and you can't have someone next to you. Um, so it's a coordination. Obviously, it's making sure that your business is, can function, that you have people in place that can handle the business, but also you want to make sure that uh, we have a restriction that we don't have more than, I think, 30 people on every floor because uh, we have over 200 in our office. Um, and so it's a coordination, you know, talking to your cubicle mate, which a lot of them did and say, hey, what days are you planning on coming in? Or are you planning on coming in? So they can coordinate, okay, you'll come out on Wednesday, I'll come in on Thursday. So that, you know, it, it's sometimes it's dictated by the department. Sometimes it may be the employees kind of working that out amongst themselves too, uh, with manager supervision. But it's, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's kind of like, what is essential right now? What do you absolutely need to keep running? And if you've got cross-trained employees, that's even better uh, because if you have someone who can't come in, but again, it's making sure that you can kind of start up and you have the people in place that you need, but not too many of them. <laughs> you, know, you know, Lisa, it's hard to believe that two months ago, we were eating birthday cake that people had spit all over. Yes. And now we can't even get within six feet of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So obviously, you know, what we've been talking about here has been a trend, obviously going home, uh, sending people home and then coming back. And that's the bend as part of it. How did you to adjust to it? But what about the opportunities? What opportunities do you see that, like, we're going to talk tomorrow and, and my list is a little weak, so I could use some pointers. But <laughs> what, what do you see as opportunities going forward for, um, you know, what are we learning out of this? What, what are some good opportunities to say, hey, this may be a way to do things cheaper, better, stronger, more efficient, what have you? Mm -hmm. Well, outside of educating people on how to wash their hands, mm. uh, <laughs> but I think technology has been huge. Um, you know, and people working at home. Our office, uh, we had attorneys who typically worked at home, but others did not. And within a week, we had 220 people equipped to all work remotely. That was quite the undertaking. And I think, you know, using the technology and people are saying to me, my gosh, I didn't know we had all these capabilities. So I'm sure we're not the only ones. So the technology is a great, it's a great opportunity right now to embrace that, to be able to maybe work remotely, which will save space in offices, which is fantastic. But the one thing that I would stress with technology is just because you change something just for the COVID situation, don't go back to the old way of doing it. Let's embrace it and move forward with it. I know there's things within our HR department that maybe we did were kind of archaic. Well, now we've changed that and we're not going to go back to the way it was. We're going to be moving forward and I think other places will be as well. Um, I'm trying to see some other opportunities that are coming out of this, new ways of recruiting. Oh my gosh, uh, not so much in-person interviews anymore for companies. It's doing things more online, uh, Skype, Zoom, you name it. There's others as well that we can utilize, um, new ways of bringing on people on board so that maybe they never meet face-to-face -face until day one that they walk into the workplace. sure to like, follow, and share us wherever you're tuned in today. Funny, that was kind of reserved for like super high-tech companies, mm -hmm. right? You know, yeah. where, where we're going to onboard over Zoom or, or Skype or what have you, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. we're not, we're using Zoom right here, so I don't mind uh, plugging for them. But you know, I would imagine a lot of companies will end up with their own uh, white label service or something. But what a what a step that we could have put in the middle that we could put right in the middle and say, hey, maybe that's one more interview step is let's do a video chat before we fly you out here from Denver to the to Tampa and then have to put you up in a hotel or whatever, depending on what level of employee you're dealing with. Um, it. And the same thing works really good for an employee. It's like if, if they're not in that kind of position where they're going to get, where they're being paid to be flown around, where they have to, you know, when I was job hunting in Florida, I had to fly myself down here for job interviews and, and you know, pay for an airplane ticket, pay for a hotel, pay for a rental car. And so if I could have done some of that by chat, I mean, literally some of these interviews might be five minutes long and you just spent, you know, a thousand dollars flying down for the day to answer five questions you could have answered over a video chat like we're doing right now. 
Oh, absolutely. And I know I live in fear when I schedule someone like that to come down that some attorney is going to be called into a deposition, you know, and here they've flown all the way from, you know, God knows where, and no one's there to talk to them. And that's like, oh my gosh. And so, yes, this is a new way, but also too, during this time, another opportunity is really to take a look at your company and policies, practices, procedures. And what does that say about you? Because now is an opportunity, again, you want to make sure that people remember what you did as far as your employees in a good way five years from now, 10 years from now, of how you handle COVID and that you could be a go-to place to work. That everybody says, I want to work for X company because did you hear what they did there for their employees? You don't know how they, what kind of policies they have, what do they do there for their employees? And that's a great place to work and I want to be there. And see, that is an opportunity too, to just take a step back, look at what you're saying, what do your policies say, and what are you saying to your employees? I want to work for Momentum Real Estate because I heard that the <laughs> guy who runs the office was going to get to go anywhere he wanted in the country for vacation after this is all over. There you go. Just the rumor I heard. So I don't know if the boss is going to hold through with that or not, but I'll ask her tonight <laughs> when I get home. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, you know, bottom line, everybody who works for a company, you want to be treated as a human being. You want to be, you want to be considered as a valuable contributor. You want to be you want to be treated with respect and that's what's going to engage your employees. We can have all of the ice cream socials in the world, maybe not right now, and fun little ping pong tables. But if you don't care about your employees and show them compassion and take that action, it's not going to matter. They'll eat your ice cream, but... I like yeah, the way you point that out, Lisa, because these the the, the tech companies started some of that, right? Like the nap yes. and the restaurant and all that. They didn't do it to just show off, to check a box and say, okay, we oh. offer free bagels in the morning. They mm -hmm. said, you know what? We know you work hard and you don't want to have to take time out of your day to go get a snack. So we'll bring the snack to you or what have you. But it, it, it wasn't, they weren't doing it uh, dollar sign forward. They were doing it compassion forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just read yesterday, Microsoft extended the work at home until October. And some people may say, wow, that's a long time. But what does that do to the employees? It's like, I might be concerned because Washington State is still in shelter in place. We don't know for how long. And their employees are now saying, wow, I don't have to worry about that. I can work at home and I know I'll be working at home until the end of October. Now, there's something to be said about teamwork and interaction and getting that physical social distancing contact with people. But I think what they did for their organization probably could lift a huge burden off of people's shoulder, shoulders right now. Well, and part of it too is that um, the whole idea that the ripple effect Yes. Good or bad, that a lot of times, well, and I'm going to disagree with Pat a little bit. Some of these were not doing it for compassion as much as they were. If we make it so comfortable here, then we can really get them to work a lot longer hours <laughs> than they're on salary. So mm -hmm. they're really kind of abusing us. But that all fleshes out in the end with the ripple effect. And, 
and um, you know who they attract and everything, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And it's again that ripple effect. If something good happens, you're going to repeat it. But if something bad happens, you're going to blast it from the rooftops. <laughs> And that's not what any company wants because you can go out to Glassdoor and you'll see all sorts of comments from employees who didn't feel that they were treated fairly or uh, maybe even were fired for a reason they didn't think was valid, but, or, you know, just there could be a number of reasons. You don't want that type of PR out there about your company. Um, that's why the compassion is so important in doing things for the right reasons. And you're going to attract employees. People are going, you're going to be the go-to employer if you, if people know that you treat employees with respect, you treat them with compassion, you care about who they are, what they bring to the table is valuable. That's, that's priceless as the commercial would say. And that, that is, there's a lot of companies out there that do it, but unfortunately there's a lot that don't do it so well. And we're gonna see it within the airlines because certain, we won't, we won't throw anybody under the bus or mm -hmm. airline, but there's some that, and we know firsthand that we had tickets that we had to cancel. With one click, yes. we got our points back, we got our taxes back, we got everything. Yet at the same time, we'll hear about a few of the other airlines that they're saying, well, if you want a refund, that'll be a year down the road. <laughs> you know, stupid, you know, sometimes they think, no, 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 selfishness and, and um, competitiveness, that's what's, that's what's gonna get me ahead because compassion is an unnecessary expense. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. When it's really the best business practice. Absolutely. It is, and you can measure the return on investment and compassion. Obviously, for every employee you retain, you're not gonna have recruiting costs. Um, in one of my presentations, I talked about bereavement leave, and many organizations say, oh, I can't afford to give more than one day or three days, and most people, after a loss, they're not ready to come back to work after one day or three days of bereavement, due to they're a lot and they're not productive and it's statistics and research has shown that the longer people have on the front end it reduces the time that they're going to take away on the back end if you will um, because they're not going to get sick as much they won't be needing to take as much time off and it was in one of my sessions i was talking about the cost while i was in the presentation a woman who is a senior vice president with an organization in St. Pete called her HR people and said, what would it cost if we extended our bereavement from three to five days? They had the statistics, they had done the analysis, they had all the numbers ready. By the end of the presentation, she had changed their policy from three to five days for their hourly workers. And when she told me that, I was like, really? And she's like, absolutely. She says, what you just told me made sense. And she said, it didn't cost us that much extra. And it what was you money in at, the bank. Yeah, it money was money in the, in the bank. And, you know, and it's like, that's why I challenge people to take a look at what, you, what you're doing, what your policies are. What does it cost you to replace someone? 
What does it cost off for a few more days of bereavement, vacation time? Is it that much? I think people would be surprised if they really got in and started crunching the numbers. And that's what I challenge HR people to do all the time. Take a look at the numbers because uh, you may be surprised and a lot of times your senior execs, that's what they want to see is the numbers. And this is yeah. compassion, folks. Lisa, we're about out of time. And yes, I've sir. had a delicate question. I've been trying to figure out how to frame it. Okay. Um, and uh -oh. um, I just- Delicate. When yeah, we're no. talking the about compassion and things like that, uh, uh -huh. on a scale of one to 712, how awesome is Randy's barbecue? 712. <laughs> Lisa, thank you for having the compassion to uh, put up with us for the past uh, 30 minutes or so. We really oh, appreciate well, your, thank input, you. your input. Thank you for all that you do, spreading out the word about compassion because leading with compassion is, uh, um, that's the new normal, um, not yes. just in the coronavirus, that's just the way, that's just good business. So we want to thank you. Um, I know you probably have to get back to work. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> thank you, Doc. Anything to, uh, as we uh, say goodbye? You know, we're, we're, we've got a lot of good things coming up, and even week after next, we've got Dr. Raul Mera, a psychiatrist that's going to help us with humor. And we've got uh, Doria Gomez, just booked her today, that's going to be on talking about travel. We want to get out of here. We want to do things. There's going to be some great opportunities. So, uh, Pat, let's take it out by saying, let's think bigger, let's reach higher, and let's do what no one thought was impossible. Everybody thought was impossible. We'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now. You can connect with us directly at TotalCareerGrowth.com. That's TotalCareerGrowth.com.